Welcome to another episode of the True Blue Riftcast. I am Jeremy, and I am joined, of course, by... Hey, everybody, it's me, Dave. I'm joined by Jeremy, like always. Dave! What? Dave, what, are you, what? what are you crinkling now? What the hell are you talking about? What do you have? What do I have? have I hear something. Oh! That. I'm eating marshmallows, you bastard. What do you... Like? Do you have a problem with me eating marshmallows now? Yes. You can hear that, really? Yes. Oh, fine. Move the bag. Put it out of reach. I want to eat these. All you have to wait. Okay, hang on. Yes, I eat marshmallows because I'm five. Deal with it. They're over on the other side of the room now. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank you. welcome. So, aside from marshmallows, <laughs> how's it been going, Dave? Oh, man, dude. I went on an uh, evening stroll right before we started recording here, right? Now, I just go to this park that's by my house out here in the boonies, and I walk back. And on the way back, I found some litter. And this litter was like this child's um, uh, bottle, but it was shaped like a pink dinosaur. And it kind of broke my heart that this, that this thing had been discarded. So I picked it up, and I was like, okay. And there was still like some liquid in it. Did you taste it? Um, uh, uh, don't get ahead of the story. <laughs> Uh, so it'd be like, oh, this is cool. I can like draw this because I like drawing weird stuff that I find on the ground. Anyway, so I open it up and it's it's full, and I didn't smell it before I uh, before I threw it out, right? Yeah. And so I threw it out, and it was this very strange color. It's just like this weird kind of like dark off yellow, and I was like, oh no, please say this didn't have urine in it, right? <laughs> And uh, it's like, it's, you know, it's this child's bottle, a pink dinosaur, and it has a thing at the top where obviously it's, not, it's made for a child to, to, to drink. Uh, and I smelled to it. It's like, oh, whoa, that is not urine. That is clearly Jack Daniels. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so uh, there's a number of explanations as to how this could have happened. The funniest and the most tragic is, is that Someone was trying to feed their uh, daughter, it was a pink dinosaur, uh, Jack Daniels. The child rejected it and threw it away because it was still full. Like, just like, <laughs> oh, geez. But anyway, so I rescued a pink dinosaur toy uh, that had Jack Daniels in it. And that's my hilarious story for the evening. Lovely, lovely. Oh, man, that like... That kind of hurts my brain a little bit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna think about that. We're just gonna move on to headlines. Headlines. So at first, we do have kind of a serious note. Uh, Frank Conniff, everybody knows him as TV's Frank, and you know he still tours with uh, Trace, and he did the MST reunion show and, and whatnot. The Mads are uh, back. Yes, um, he had open heart surgery, kind Ew. of unexpectedly. Uh, but everything went well. According to Michael Conniff, uh, he says, I just visited my brother in Lenox Hill, and he's doing well, uh, though with some expected discomfort. All of the pipes are clear. His heart is pumping on its own, and he's been actually walking around in the ICU. So TV's Frank is on the mend. That's not a very funny story. No, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, Frank, look, Frank has always been extreme. I mean, like, not that I'm like some big, super important person, but he's always been very, very nice to me personally. So, I mean, uh, Frank, you know, you're a great guy. We love you here. And we really hope that, you know, you get doing better, honestly. Yes, we wish you the speediest of recoveries. 
We're going to go from that right into this. Yes. Uh, Jason, uh, our wonderful resident artist for Rift Tracks, has uh, made an announcement uh, that they are putting up some of his uh, poster designs on their Threadless store, rifttracks.threadless.com, for you to buy on T-shirts or posters or other fun little things like stickers and whatnot. Now, I love, I love how he announced it. I love how uh, he went into True Blue. Um, be like, hey, guys, do you think this is something you might be interested in? He said to a group of 700 Rift Tracks fans. And we're all just like, yeah. yes, you know? we want this and this and this and, and this and do like, it. And then just be like, well, if you're interested – put down in the comments what you would like and this thing fills up to like I don't know at last count but just like it's like one of the most commented on and long like really long comments in like yeah. the history of the whole group because like yes of course we want this of course we do Red Tracks does not have enough merch I gotta no. say that no. I just I, I, I feel like you guys need more 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 merch more shirts more stuff yes uh, yeah. surprise surprise what like two hours later, three hours later, they posted that. Yep. Hey, guess what? Here's some of our designs uh, from Jason up on the uh, the Threadless store. Some so of those selections, up, yeah. They put up uh, the Samurai Cop artwork, Killers from Space, and Gamera. I thought the Killers from Space design was a little was it interesting. Now it's a great design and it's a great visual and it's a great movie and riff. But it's like you know, not as like iconic as some of the other things that they could have uh, put up there. Well, I mean, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, oh, Killers from Space, really? You're gonna open with with one of those? I mean, that that, that that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Now the Samurai Cop one, I think I'm gonna get. Yeah, that one I think is you know because it's it's iconic riff tracks, and the movie is just you know great. So, uh, what Jeremy and I did. Uh, you, you guys don't know what goes on behind the scenes over here, right? Me, no. uh, me here in Utah and Jeremy over there in Michigan. We spent the last half hour compiling a list of, of, of the, uh, of the shirts that we each want. Yes. And Jeremy's going to go through his first and every one that he wants that I want, I'll just go ding, ding. That means I want that one as well. Going through, uh, what I found ice cream, man, ding, ding, uh, berserker hell's warrior. No Retreat, No Surrender, which is my personal favorite riff of all time. Spiker. Ding, ding. One of the big surprises. <laughs> uh, the poster for the uh, or artwork for the Santa Claus live show, Santa's Village of Madness. Ding, 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 ding. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ding, ding. And Starship Invasions. Ding, with ding. With Kung Fu Space Cobra onesie Christopher Lee on the front. I think that's one of the I, – I, I honestly think that uh, we're going to have uh, Jason on the podcast at some point. Oh, we have to. Yeah, and to talk about his designs. And I think just like out of all the hundreds of these designs that he's done, the Starship Invasions ones like in particular is just like – he chose like the best image you possibly could of Christopher Lee. <laughs> Just like, ah, I'm coming at you. It's great. It's awesome. It. So here's my list. Uh, and keep in mind, this was this was weeded down from probably a uh, list of three, probably three times as long. Yeah. Okay. Uh, invasion of the Animal People. Ding, ding. <laughs> Psychotronic Man. Ding, ding. Octoman. 
Ding, ding. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're going to have rock and roll nightmare. Yes. I'm not even going to say ding for that. That is a yes because I freaking love that one. Uh, roller Gator. I, ding, I know that. Ding, ding, ding. I we know were that's... both kind of arguing who got to do that. Yeah, and I, it's got to be me because everyone in the group hates me for how much I love that. Uh, but I kind of egg it on, so it's okay. Ruby, The Force Awakens. Ding, ding. The Apple, The Guy from Harlem. Ding, ding. Buffalo Rider, Cool as Ice, and Ghost House. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. So those ding, are, so you can also kind of tell like what our taste in riffs are from, 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 from all that. I would buy all those. There's, yeah, there's too much to choose from. Yeah, the it's, it's, it's a cornucopia. Really? Basically, whatever they put up will will probably be interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you, know, like, like you said, we need more riff tracks, more riff tracks merch. Oh, yeah. but do you do you want to know what uh, doesn't need uh, more uh, merch out there? That's kind of like not really apparent in uh, popular culture anymore. It's a thing called the banana splits. Yeah. I'm gonna let Jeremy take the lead on this one because when he showed it to me. At first, I thought it was some kind of hilarious joke. No, it's very real. For some reason, they thought that we needed a Banana Splits reboot. However, <laughs> this time, it's going the way of Five Nights at Freddy's, kind of. Um, like, it's it's takes place back, you know, when the Banana Splits were a thing. At least partially. I don't know if it goes to, you know, a different time period or not. But we only saw that that time period. And, you know, this this little boy, he was super excited. And for his birthday, he got tickets to go see the Banana Splits. And... Oh, my God. They... Turns out that they're killer cyborgs? Animatronics? Androids? I don't know what they're supposed to be exactly. Um, but they're murdering people. And taking kids and doing... God Killing children! <laughs> it was so bad, like, in, not even in, like, a Sharknado type of way. No, this it's is, just, like, you could tell that they're dead serious about this. Yeah. And they think, that, and they, and they think they're hilarious and this is going to be great. No, no, look, look, okay, damn it. If you're going to do something like this, make some shit up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's... Don't, just like, and it says the Banana Splits movie. Not yeah, like, there's nothing indicating that this is going to be a, a horror thing. You're just seeing, oh, the Banana Splits, hey. If you didn't see the trailer and you're just at the movie, like, oh, what should we see? Oh, the Banana Splits movie. Come on. Come on, little Johnny and little Jane and whatever dumb things we name our children. Let's go see this movie about the Banana Splits that, you know, uh, we maybe watched when we were kids. Come on, Colton. Yeah, it's like, so here we go. Sit there and be like, oh, so, but the banana splits. You guys watched this when you were kids, mom and dad? You psychos. <laughs> like, what the F is wrong uh, with you? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, we'll, but, uh, we'll have the link in the, uh, in the description for it's this episode. terrible. <sighs> it's like hard pass. Yes, definite, definite hard pass. Speaking of hard passes, it looks like everyone... <laughs> passed on the movies this weekend because uh this is not a good uh a good weekend for the box office number one movie men in black international barely barely beating out secret life of pets 2 and everyone hates it <laughs> men in black international 
Okay, just just a quick little history here. The Men in Black franchise, the previous three movies, even the second one, that was way terrible, they all made over $50 million their opening weekend. Men in Black International made $28.5 million. Oh, God. Yeah, that's terrible. Secret Life of Pets 2 brought in uh, almost $24 million. Aladdin came in at third again. Dark Phoenix and Rocket Man. And the other new movie that opened this weekend, uh, at least the other wide release, Shaft, made a paltry 8.3. Shaft opened at number, what, 8? 6. Oh. And Dark Phoenix is down to 4 already. Yeah. It only made $9 million. It hit a 72% drop-off from last week. Dude, this is bad. It's really bad. I don't even know um, if the movies are really that bad, but just like just in terms of just like money, this is terrible. Yeah, and uh, Endgame made another three and a half million dollars. Oh, really? Did it? I wonder if everybody went to go see it for the ninth time. I think yeah, that was a well, thing I, we were talking about this before. Uh, is that I think that like a lot of people saw Endgame. They saw Endgame a million times, right? Yeah. And then I think mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people have just noped out because they've been to the movies so much because of Endgame. I'm being serious. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw it how many times? I know you've seen it at least three. I, I saw it three. I saw it once on opening weekend with my wife and my son and my son's best friend. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend I took my son to go see it. And then the next day I took my wife to go see it because she wanted to see it again too. I mean, like, I honestly thought Men in Black 4 would do pretty well because um, it has my two favorite people from Thor Ragnarok in it. So yeah. it's going to be funny, you know, but I guess... <laughs> The star power of Tessa Thompson just wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's uh, that's not great. Of course, you know the box office will get a little injection soon. We've got uh, Spider-Man opening over the Fourth of July. Yeah, that's going to be big. That's going to be big, and then Toy Story Four, which the early word on that is actually that it's really good. Like, I don't know how it. I don't know how it could be better than than Toy Story Three, but I think it's probably going to try. So. Yeah, and it's going to make a, a butt-ton of money. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. Yeah. It's going to make Disney a butt-ton of money. Like, you know, well, like they need it. But yeah, like they need even more after $830 million for Avengers Endgame. And that's just domestic. Ah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's a, lots of terrible, terrible movies. Speaking of terrible movies, uh, let's go in right now to today's short review of Rift Track Shorts. Yes! So today is kind of different because most of these have been ones that I that I wrote a little while ago for the website, <clears throat> pbandawesome.com, just throw that in there. Uh, but today, my plans changed uh, because, as you know, you know, we record these on Sundays. So the day we're recording this, it is Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And as they did for Mother's Day, Rift Tracks released a new short from Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel. Yeah, they, re- they yeah they they released it today, this day. So yes. I I haven't even seen it. I didn't even know it was a thing until Jeremy told me that he was reviewing it for the podcast. So I was like, okay. Yeah, I just sent him a message. I'm like, well, I'm not doing this other one now. And he's like, uh, I was like, yeah, they released a new short today, so I'm gonna do that one. And then I said, oh great, I'll be able to feign like I haven't seen it because I actually haven't. So. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be real easy. So uh, this new short. It's called What Mary Jo Shared, and it was released on June 16th, 
2019. That day sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Show and Tell? Or no. sharing, as they called it in this short? I do, but I only really remember one, and that was uh, the year that I took my Megatron that I got for Christmas to school. And, uh, of course, got in trouble for bringing a toy gun to school. That's a thing that happened? Oh, yeah. That was not too long after that kid got uh, shot by the police with the laser tag pistol. Wait, what? These are stories you'll have to tell me later. Back in the 80s, you know. Uh, Mary Jo didn't have a Megatron to take and share with her class. She didn't even have a dog. In fact, she didn't take anything to share at school ever. Not her dolls, not her elephants, not a single thing. When she did finally have something she wanted to take, someone else had a better version of the same thing. She got a new umbrella, so she wanted to take that to share. And of course, the day she does it, it's a rainy day, and everybody has their umbrellas, and they all look nicer than hers. Or... (laughs) The day she wanted to take uh, a grasshopper that her brother caught for her, another kid brought a jar with a bigger grasshopper in it. And honestly, when it got to this part, I I really thought that it was going to show her waking up the next day and the grasshopper was just going to be dead in the jar. That's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, like anytime you ever caught fireflies as a kid, you know, you'd wake up the next morning, you'd check the jar, they'd all be dead. You killed them. But that's okay, because they don't really have consciousness, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) When she did finally settle on something, uh, she she took the easy way out, she picked her dad, hence the Father's Day tie-in. When when the other kids saw him, you know that they were all thinking in their head that they were angry that they didn't think of it first. To bring her dad? (laughs) To bring their own dad, because now... Now, nobody else can do it, you know, because it'd be like, oh, you're copying Mary Jo. Look, this is this is a short. It's based on a kid's book. Um, they've actually done another one yeah. uh, called what Mary Jo Wants or Wanted, and that one is about her wanting a dog. Yeah, I've seen um, that one. Yeah. Uh, it's not a terrible short. I mean, the music is a little bit sad-sounding. Sounds as, cruel uh, as hell. It sounds as, like as Norman. The, as the real Mary Jo says that it sounds like it's dead pet music. Uh, but other than that, it's a pretty cute short. Now, for stuff like this, Bridget and Mary Jo are absolutely the perfect pair. They have a good way of delivering nice but still funny lines. Don't get me wrong, they can bring it. Oh, they yeah, they're mean it. as hell. Over your short calls for it. But in this one, they just they have that perfect level of nice. Nothing is really mean-spirited or too harsh. And I still laughed my butt off. Uh, this was a wonderful short for them to release for Father's Day. I give it four grasshoppers in a jar out of five. Yay. You know, Bridget is probably the nicest human being that has ever walked on the face of the planet. Yeah. And Bridget, you need to come on our show. She's very she is, Yes, she is. Yeah. I can't say enough nice things about Bridget Nelson. Yes. And Mary Jo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Also yeah. very nice. She's also a wonderful person. So we're going to go from the shorts now to the not-so-shorts. Dave, what do you have for us today? Um, well, I am not happy about this. Over On Friday, Jeremy sends me a message like, Happy New Release Day. And I was like, oh, for real? Yes. And we go and we find it's this, this thing called Yesterday's Target. And uh, it's we see it when we're treated to an image of Daniel Baldwin. Red, red, red flags red flag. should have started popping up immediately. 
That was my first thought. I'm like, oh my god, it's got a Baldwin. All right, now let me tell you who's in this thing. Um, uh, Daniel Baldwin, Stacey Hudak, whoever that is, it doesn't matter. T.K. <laughs> Carter, also, who cares? Who you know, like who who gives an f? Uh, Richard Hurd, whom I thought uh, looked very familiar. Turns out he is uh, George's sub-boss in Seinfeld. Uh, you know, when he works at the Yankees, he's um, – what is that guy's name? He's Oh, Mr. Wilhelm is his name. He's Mr. Wilhelm in uh, uh, Seinfeld. Lovely. LeVar Bur- – I don't know how in the year – what year was this released? 1996. Okay. okay. So this is after Star Trek The Next Generation. This is after, you know, his success with Reading Rainbow. Um, and uh, what was the name of uh, that, um, that miniseries that he was in, that television? Roots. After Roots, after Reading Rainbow, after freaking Star Trek The Next Generation, this guy gets fifth billing behind Richard Hurd, T.K. Carter, and Stacey Hudak, and Daniel Baldwin. And the thing is, is that he's a clairvoyant bounty hunter. And the movie is mostly <laughs> about him, you know? <laughs> so, and then after that, it's it's Malcolm McDowell, which, like, I don't know why I keep getting surprised when I see Malcolm McDowell in Rift Tracks movies just slumming it up. It's like him and Dave, I, I don't know, him and David Warner. Like, yeah. whenever they, t- like, you know, they're like the John Carradines of Rift Tracks. <laughs> Like they're always just like coming up. They're always just like and like the like you okay, you remember an ice cream man when we saw David when we saw David Warner just appear for two seconds? It's just yep. and then Mike says, like, well, there's there really is no role I won't take there, is that? Right? That was Mike's joke. Like it's true. Yeah. It's all over the place in these B movies, these nineties direct to DVD. And here's the thing, they don't have to take these roles. They don't. No. Uh, one explanation I've heard about this phenomenon is that the British, you know, because they're better than us, uh, especially British actors, they tend to look at acting as like work and they'll be yeah. at the, like, like they have like a different kind of work ethic. So they'll just like, you know, if they're busy, if they're not busy, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go, you know, like no kind of like no role is like beneath them. They'll like kind of like do anything, which is fine. But when, right. like, to, like, our sensibilities, you see these huge stars. Malcolm McDowell and David Warner are huge names. And to see them in things like like Yesterday's Target and Ice Cream Man. I mean, LeVar Burton and Malcolm McDowell shared three scenes in Star Trek Generations where uh, Malcolm McDowell is torturing LeVar Burton, right? And they have – and they share scenes in, in Yesterday's Target and – Okay, so oh, also in this is uh, Trevor Goddard, who uh, is main claim to fame is uh, being Kano from Mortal Kombat, in which he is outstanding. But other than that, there's really nobody else here to really speak of. Uh, basically, it's basically the movie is X Men without the X Men. It's boring and plotting as hell, and uh, uh, also when they uh, it's it's another trope within within Rift Tracks movies of this type. Anytime they go into a uh, interior, everyone just forgets how to turn on the damn lights and it's just completely pitch black. And this that, that's for at least, at least half the movie. You're in your complete darkness. 
It's like, like, hey, thanks for making me feel like total garbage yesterday's Target. I'm going to go and get a sunburn to try to maybe, like, get some of my life back. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible movie. Um, the riffs are really funny. Like, especially, I think it's probably one of the better uh, let's, uh, let's riff over the opening credits uh, bits that they've done in a long time. Because I kind of have to do that with every movie. And sometimes, yeah. you know they can go faster than others do. But this one was actually pretty, really, really, really done well. And um, there's lots of really good references, lots of stuff to kind of like, you know, Rift Tracks is, if Rift Tracks is able to keep you with the movie and with them and everything and not like screw this, I'm going to go do something else, then that's a victory. And they were able to do that. So um, it's, uh, uh, I would say, I would, I would give this riff a B, probably B minus. Probably not as, um, I mean, it's a better selection. It's it's better in movie selection than, you know, uh, The Power or the one that came immediately before that, Giant, Giant, from, the Giant from the Unknown. So, like, the movie selection as far as, I mean, like I said, you know, we all love pancakes, but just, like, they're getting progressively better to watch, like, the movies just themselves, but not by, it's, it's very incremental. It's not by very much, but, yeah. Have you seen it yet? I have not oh, watched God. it. No, um, but I will. I will give you a little bit of uh, info here. Yeah. So the movie was a made-for-TV film. What? They put this uh, on TV? Oh yeah, made-for-TV uh, on April twenty-eighth, nineteen ninety-six. It is currently sitting at a four point seven out of ten rating. Oh, I can't imagine. And the previous movie, The Power is also sitting at a 4.7 out of 10. What about Giant from the Unknown? Giant from the Unknown. That one, believe it or not, is sitting at a 4.9 wow. Oh, wow. That, because... <laughs> that's, yeah. that's one of those movies that has that weird cult following for no reason whatsoever. So yeah, well, you want to know reason. why, because it's terrible. I mean, like, dude, at least, at least zombie, I eat your skin. I love that movie. I love that riff. I love everything about that. You know, give us more of that riff tracks. (laughs) That is like the perfect riff tracks movie. But um, yeah, I would say this is a B minus. I mean, I'm not trying to be critical or anything like that, but it's a, it was kind of hard to choke down, but I mean, in a project of this nature, that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And I understand that. That's what I signed up for. Uh, who directed this so I know who to blame? Barry oh, Sampson. He also... Oh, look, but look. He has six other... Uh, he has six other... Six movies. And I got to tell you what. Uh, the names of some of these uh, don't surprise me at all. Ice Pawn. The Ice what? Runner. The Good Life. Okay, I think that's enough of that. The other two is like a TV series... <laughs> Jane so-and-so. Yeah, I bet that was terrible. S-E-W and so. That's a series. It's an interactive sewing program targeting a teen audience from 13 to 16, being a green show about recycling and building self-esteem. Wow, yeah. So, hey, guess what? (laughs) Guess what, director? No wonder that one one only lasted for one season. Uh, Hey, guess what, director of yesterday's Target? I hate you anyway. So... (laughs) You can direct stupid BS eco yarning shows for girls, and you get what you deserve. And still, still have them turn out terribly. Yes. 
Now, uh, we can now moving from that to something that is excellent. One of the yes. one of the f- most fantastic, probably the movie where I won't say probably. Uh, it's definitely the movie that has that where our modern popular culture probably began, and that is the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. I put this on about a week ago. Riff Tracks lately, since 2013 on, has been pretty much VOD, not VOD only, but the MP3s have become a, uh, a special occasion. And Wizard of Oz came out, in, well, of course, in 1939. Uh, and everybody knows about the Wizard of Oz and how it, it changed everything about the movies, and it should yes. have. And it's like this, still, to this day, a popular culture phenomenon that really can only be equaled by Star Wars. You know, you go back and just like, it's hard to really say just like how much impact the Wizard of Oz had and continues to have. So now when Rift Tracks was doing MP3s, like or MP3s like only, or even when there was that time uh, from 2011 through the end of 2012, when it was, uh, this mix of uh, MP3s and VODs. The uh, VODs, I mean, uh, pardon me, the MP3s were always like very high energy. They always had like this very uh, electric kind of, of feel. And that's, I think, like, that's why a lot of people kind of got addicted to riff tracks, honestly, other than it being the uh, alumni project of MST3K, even though I've, I feel like it's kind of grown beyond that now. It was just like, you had this great feel of watching these awesome things, these pinnacles of popular culture with your friends, Mike, Kevin, and Bill. Very exciting thing because it you know, just brings you so much closer to them as people. And it just adds so much more to the movie itself the, to the point where the experience with the Rift Tracks is completely independent from the movie itself. It's, it's its own cool thing. Yeah. The last... You know, six years, it's just been, you know, VODs, 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 which is fine. But this came out in uh, 2014. Uh, it was the very first, the, uh, the ser- season premiere, if you will, in 2014. So it's about five, yeah. it's five years old now, which is freaking amazing to me. Um, because it feels like just yesterday when, you know, they're making a big deal about their Wizard of Oz riff. Uh, right. Connor told me a story about doing the Wizard of Oz. It's like they were trying to brainstorm, like, like, what can we do to, like, really shake things up? And then Bill, just off the top of his head, would be like, why don't we do the Wizard of Oz? And it was just like, they, it's just like a light went off, and they spent, like, and the Wizard of Oz was just like this huge, they, they couldn't believe they had, nobody had even thought of that before, to do the Wizard yeah. of Oz. And it's like, they had, like, they, they, they said, Connor said that they just had so much fun doing it and just, like, totally embracing and owning the Wizard of Oz as, like, this piece of, you know, Rift Tracks. That's like, bringing it in and making it part of Rift Tracks was just, like, such a great, amazing experience. And it's really, um, I think, in 2014, one of, I mean, my choice for Riff of the Year in 2014 and also my editor's choice award for the Riff, for the Riff Wiki, the Riff Tracks Wiki. We're going to go do some rebranding, but that's neither here nor there. For this discussion, <laughs> it was the last slumber party. Uh, twenty fourteen had a lot of great stuff, but it started off amazingly well with the wizard the, with the Wizard of Oz, and the riffing is just so like on point. And I just kind of like 
as it went on, it was a lot like I'm going to reference Star Wars Rogue One a lot probably on this podcast just you know yeah. because how everything is so perfectly paced and it's electric and it's organic and it's just like everything just moves. You don't feel like the movie's dragging at all or the riff is dragging at all. It's one of those perfect riffs. That's what uh, the Wizard of Oz is. Uh, the the riff the 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 riff of the Wizard of Oz is another example of what perfect riffing is. I mean, it's just like, and to add all that, they're able to use all this imagery and references of stuff that uh, the Wizard of Oz has given us since its inception in 1939. To and it's just like everything, it's really a great, awesome uh, riff tracks experience. And I hadn't done it in a while, and I was surprised that I'd forgotten so much about this awesome, awesome thing. And I was like watching it again for the first time, and it's just like. You know, that's like that is an A plus riff right there. It's one of my essentials and I'm just I'm just really glad I watched it again and I wanted to even before it was over, I was in True Blue Riff Tracks. I was just like, Hey, I'm watching The Wizard of Oz. I love Riff Tracks so much. It's like I love having that feeling of, oh man, I love being a Riff Tracks fan. Being a Riff Tracks fan is part of what defines me and this is why. I really love that feeling of like hooray kind of like riff tracks when riff tracks can make me feel like that and that's what this one did and i was just like oh yes ooh, riff tracks go it's awesome so i mean i don't know if i could put the movie over or the riff over any better than that that's the other riff that uh, i wanted to talk about this week and that's what i wanted to say about it yeah it it really is greatness mm -hmm. for riff tracks like like you said, 2014, there was some great releases. Awesome, I mean, awesome, awesome, you know, awesome. You already mentioned Last Slumber Party. That was uh, the year where they did uh, the Godzilla live show mm -hmm. in Anaconda. Fun in Balloonland was released that year. Rotor, they did the Santa Claus live show. Hawk the Slayer came out that year. Zindi the Swamp Boy. <laughs> I got to talk about that someday. I'm going to put that on my list of VODs I want to talk about. Anyway, they, sorry. They did the total riff off that year. The first Amazing. one they released the Super Mario Brothers movie that yep. year. Like there's so much good. And the Wizard of Oz is right up at the top. Right. Right, like right up at the top. Like, I, I would say that like, you know, in 2014 now, I, if you're going back, think I, I, I probably just because I just probably because I just watched the Wizard of Oz. I'd probably put the Wizard of Oz at the very top. Then Slumber Party. I know lots of people. I'm not going to crap on Fun and Balloon Land because I know lots of people like it. And so it must be doing lots of stuff right. I can't really get into it as much as other people do. But hey, if it's your thing, it's your thing. You know? Um, but uh, Super Mario Brothers, like you said, you know, something that I think gets forgotten is Fist of Fury. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did, a, they did a Bruce Lee movie, guys. Yeah, and it's like, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, just like at some point we're going to have to do a podcast where like especially me because like I'm just like overflowing with like riff tracks information, especially like the timeline and like yeah. where everything fits and what happened in like each particular year. Because I tend to look at riff tracks in years in, well, excuse me, <laughs> in like seasons and, 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 and stuff like that. Like I can like break down each year and be like, OK, this was the feel for this. And we have a flow, this, 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 and that. So at some point, I think that um, we need to do like a breakdown of like riff tracks in 2006 and 2000. I got the hiccups now. This sucks. Anyway, that's that's all I got. That's probably going to get edited down a bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little. Well, that looks like that's it for us this week, especially since uh, Dave has the hiccups. Yeah, I got the hiccups now. 
I have to remember before I get lambasted about this ah. on Twitter again. Uh, Margo, Margo, are you listening? Margo, Margo, we thank love you. you. Thank you so much for the Rift Tracks Live coasters and the Octomints that you sent me. Uh, it was it was a great surprise. I love them. I have them up on my shelf. They're all aired out and not stinky anymore. Um, there was a weird printing thing, and they they just rotted. Like I don't know. I, at first, I thought maybe they were trying to go for the smell of Octoman, but <laughs> it just was. It was just a printing printing thing, and it was bad. And you just have to leave them out for a little bit. But uh, I also have to mention. <laughs> I also have to mention there will be no new episode of the podcast next week. Uh, that's because I'm going on a super secret vacation with my family. And no, I can't tell you what it is yet because my son listens and we're not telling them until the day before we go. Um, but when we come back the following week, we are going to have our uh, multi-part half oh, year in review. Yeah. We've done this before. Uh, we did it last year and it was just for the first months. Yes. It was like for the first six months of 2018 and Jeremy, how long were we gassing on about everything? Well, the, the end result was over two hours, but we were using the anchor app at that point, which was still pretty new and it died on us twice because we went on for so long. That it just stopped recording. It's like, no, I'm out. That's like, no, screw you. Like, screw you, Rift Tracks nerds. Uh, come back come back at me with Haunted Ween. Google it. Yeah, yeah. But we were very long-winded in that one. If if we get long like that this time, then we'll, we will split it up uh, into more than one episode, just so it's a little bit easier to digest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to do it. Something. Just like that? Uh, just like that. Margo, when are you going to send me some stuff, you bastard? <laughs> like, why does Jeremy get all the love? Yeah, Twitter mom. Dave wants some, too. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We love you, Margo. <laughs> yes, we do. You're, you're a wonderful Rift Tracks fan and a wonderful person. But, yeah, I'm Jeremy. You can find me at pbandawesome.com. You can send me an email, jeremy at pbandawesome.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at pbandawesome. And if you click on the episode description, there's a little thing there that says to leave us a voice message. Do it. And if we like it, we'll put it on the podcast. So we probably won't put it on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and as for me, my name's Dave, a.k.a. Sugar Ray Dodge. Check me out on the web at SugarRayDodge.com. Send me emails at SugarRayDodge at gmail.com. I do the Mystery Science Storybook series. I'm also a graphic designer, and I wrestle locally as Charlie B. Uh, search for me on Facebook under Sugar Ray Dodge or Charlie B, and I'll pop right up if you want to see all the other crazy stuff I'm doing. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.
<laughs> Wait, what? <laughs>